Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Screencast. We're discussing Rings of Power Episode 3, and guess who's here? Lucy James is here, and she's healthy, kind of. <laughs> Lucy, how are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling way, way better. Thank you very much. I was so sad to miss, like, the, the double premiere episode, um, but look, I'm here now, and that's all that matters. Me and Lise missed you last week, and I, I also had to make sure to go back into the comments mm -hmm. and kind of just like add a little uh, statement, uh, an apology from me and my team. My yeah. PR statement kind of uh, we came up with a little apology for you because I just straight up said Lucy abandoned us. And then I never elaborated <laughs> on that. I never said like, no, she's actually sick. Just kidding. Everybody send her some love. JK. I was like, Lucy abandoned us. So it's just me and Elise. And I yeah, was like, pe I <laughs> people started referring to it as Andy's Bane. Yeah. In yeah. the comments. <laughs> That's well, exactly what they called it. That's exactly what they called it. Uh, Elise is here as well. Elise, how are you doing? I'm so happy. I'm so happy the entire fellowship is here. Maybe we'll have some yeah. some celeb fellows come well, in and out in future episodes. But this is the core, I think. You know what this is? We are the three hunters, right? Because, oh. like, Elise, blonde like Legolas, Andy, me and you are going to have to fight over who gets to be Aragorn and who's Gimli. Well, I mean, the audience is going to go Andy's short, so he'll be Gimli. So I was going to yeah. say you have a beard, so you'd be Gimli. Oh, okay. That's very, like, very kind of you. That's a very Arag kind. Aragorn has scruff, which you know, give me a few. Oh, and the short like. curly hair too. You got kind of the short wavy yeah. hair, like yeah. Aragorn. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Have you we... ever seen Lucy push open two double doors? Because it's a <laughs> sight to behold. Yeah. Spitting image. I was going to say that. Door normally, I have no. Never seen her. I was going to say we may have Tam in a later episode, um, but did I, as the showrunner? even think to get in touch with Tam after I tweeted at Tam and said, hey, man, let's get you on episode three. And Tam was like, I'm down, baby, let's do it. I was like, all right. And then Correct just me if I'm wrong, but what you thought was going to happen was that you would tweet at Tam and say, come join us in this. And then Tim would somehow see that. Yeah. And then Tim would coordinate it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, when it comes to responsibilities, it's kind of funny. I'm way <laughs> low on the totem pole. What'd you say, uh, Lucy? Eyes on the prize, Tim. Come on. Yeah. This is, I know. This is, Tim dropped the ball. You think he'd be on it a little bit tweet. more. Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> everybody is reminded this is the Kind of Funny Screencast. It's our weekly show where we break down the latest in TV, movies, and trailers. You can watch it on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny, RoosterTeeth.com, or on your favorite podcast service by searching for Kind of Funny Screencast. If you wanted to get the show ad-free and watch live, it's not. we're not live right now. Uh, as it's being recorded, you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our producers on Patreon, Fargo, Brady and Molecule. Thank you for the support, everybody. Uh, housekeeping. We got a bunch of other shows are doing screencasts for Luce uh, or uh, uh, Elise and Luce with so many. There's so many shows out there. We got She-Hulk going. We got Game of Thrones, Hot D, that House of the Dragon. Um, we've got. Holy cow, an, an interview coming up soon in a couple days for season five of Cobra Kai. Very excited about that. We'll be joined by Josh McCugo once again. Uh, there's just a lot happening in the, en in the entertainment sphere. So, uh, yeah, look forward to those. Check out all of those shows. If you're not watching House of the Dragon, you should be. It's very, very good. Today we are brought to you by ExpressVPN and Chime. But I'll tell you about that later. For now... Let's talk about episode three of Game of Thrones or uh, Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings. This episode is called Adar. 
and you see this episode, you're like, I don't even know what that is. That a typo? Did, did somebody's cat step on the keyboard when they're naming this? What happened here, everybody? Um, I I just want to give our overall thoughts. I am a bit lower on this episode than I was on episodes one and two. Also, I'm the type of person that can tend to hyper focus at things that I didn't really like and then kind of encapsulate that as that's the whole episode because I just think about those negative things. Um, I think there were some positive moments overall in this um, in this episode, but I didn't like the sort of unclever nature with how certain plans came to be and how those plans were resolved. Um, I just wanted to I wanted a bit more out of you know, the orcs giving the dudes water um, and then sliding, slicing the throat. I thought that was pretty unclever. I wanted a bit more from the stealing of the medallion followed by a fight. It just felt like, well, we know what, where we need these characters to end up. So how do we get them there? And it just felt kind of rushed and uncreative for me. Um, but I'm excited to see where this episode goes. I think at the end we are left with a, a pretty neat cliffhanger. Um, I enjoyed watching Galadriel kind of, you know, become a, see her mood sort of swing around when she discovers who Elendil is and kind of his backstory. Um, I thought it was neat being introduced to a lot of characters that we know and recognize from Lord of the Rings history. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for me. I, overall, a little bit lower on this episode, there were definitely a lot less kind of wow moments from me. I still think the CGI is absolutely phenomenal when we get those big, wide sweeping shots. There's a couple of CGI shots that weren't so great, and that's kind of something I always notice coming from like a visual effects background. But that's me. Lucy, what did you think of episode three? And what have you thought about episodes one and two? So I, I think episode two has been my favorite so far. I think that was a really super strong one. Um, I loved one and two as a kind of package. I think they were very clever to put those um together because one was felt more like a felt very much more like Galadriel's sort of story. Um and then two was kind of like more of the Harford stuff, more of the strange stuff. So I really enjoyed that. Episode three, I'm with you. I didn't like it as much. I still enjoyed it. There were still definitely moments in there where I was like, yeah, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. But I agree. Some of the some of like the reasoning behind get it like characters going from A to B was a bit weird. Um, stuff just seemed to happen. There was one shot in particular that I actively hated, and that was the one of Galadriel on the horse, which I'm sure we will talk about. I don't understand that shot. I don't know why that shot happened. I don't know why it looked like she'd been face-tuned. Like, he loves horses, a, Lucy. A fake smile. And, uh, that I, much? I think she looked face-tuned, Lucy, because <laughs> it was the most slow-mo shot of being in like an extreme action like mm. nobody's face is going to look normal in those moments unless you're like just kind of walking on a horse but i think yeah. if you're in full speed like that you're going to have the wind in your face and it's almost like trying to look normal yeah. in a super slow-mo shot when you get punched in the face <laughs> like i'm sure you're going to make all sorts of weird looks you know yeah i yeah so that, that shot was a weird one it stuck out for me there was a lot of the stuff that I did really enjoy, though. I, um, I'm i loving the character of, um, like, I love Isildur and Elendil. I, I'm, I'm enjoying Numenor. I'm a little confused about the Miriel Farazan stuff and the Old King, because I don't think that's really how that went, or at least maybe it's something that's coming up. But um, I'm intrigued to see where Halbrand's story goes. And I love, I mean, honestly, like, the orcs, yeah, a bit weird, some of the reasoning behind it, especially 
you know, they're just really intent on digging everywhere, but the effects on the orcs were amazing. So I, I loved all the practical makeup stuff on that. Elise, how about you? Uh, well, I share sentiments with both of you. While I peaked in episode two, this definitely was a step back for me, which I think in terms of pacing a season is kind of standard that you're going to get that big opening. And now we're going to see a little bit of a writing of the ship and where are we going next? That's a big question I have is where are we going next? I still am not seeing a super clear direction plot wise. It felt like Last episode, we were starting to really kind of lay the ground of Sauron being this threat. And then this felt like a little bit of a step back, introducing more new characters, which I'm having a challenging time keeping track of, but trying Amazon's second screen app helps me because I look at it in every scene and I think, okay, that's this person, this person. However, I told you before we started recording, I'm over men. So it's hard for me to go while I was really, really impressed with Numenor. Gosh, what a big reveal to see that city and see it thriving and think about the context of the relationship of, of men and elves behind it. I'm a little bit bored meeting the characters of, of that race a little bit or like men. I'm just yeah. I'm more enthusiastic to be meeting the fantastical races of this world and uh case case in point the or the dwarf stuff was the highlight for me of episode two and like you andy i can sometimes build a negative opinion and that can inform my general opinion of something or i, I pick out things that i don't like and that informs my general opinion conversely i can also pick something that's i really love and then that becomes a benchmark for me. And then if I don't hit that benchmark again, then everything pales in comparison. So this episode didn't necessarily have that big moment where everything clicked for me again, like the dwarf stuff, like Casa Doom. Oh, yeah. However, I did really, really like the stuff that we're seeing with the halflings and kind of we're learning a bit more of the mythology of how this people work and they're nomadic and what what the rules of their society are. I kind of I kind of was digging. And uh I also again like loved seeing Numenor in the like flesh so to speak. And I did really like the choreography of that end fight sequence. I thought had some cool moments in it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I I enjoy kind of a lot of callbacks there with the having Peter Jackson sort of show off the weightlessness of elves and seeing that uh, play into I just love when they play with those rules in that way. Yeah. And I love the Cockney accents are back for the orcs. So that's just sort of like <laughs> that. That's sort of the that's canon now, you know, like they're keeping that. Yeah, nice. it makes a statement. I'm not sure what, but <laughs> it makes a statement. <laughs> um, hey. We will get to the uh, plot here in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You don't know who's looking through all your stuff, finding all of your Nintendo Switches, your PlayStation Vitas, or all the other things that you're hiding in there. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers, ISPs, can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent. Nobody wants that. That sounds like a bad time for everybody. You can browse more anonymous 
anonymously. It's easy to use and it works on all devices. I love ExpressVPN. It is super simple to use. I feel safe across all of my devices, knowing that whether I'm on my desktop or my mobile phone, people aren't getting in there. I'm safe on the internet and what I look at, what I browse, that's mine. That's for me to know. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash kind of funny today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kind of funny. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash kind of funny next up shout out to chime like a cool breeze chime is a refreshing way to handle your money there's no monthly fees no maintenance fees and no minimum balance fees so it's how banking should be done and when you need access to your money you can do so fee free at more than 60,000 in network atms at many locations like most walgreens or 7-elevens you can also send money to anyone even if they aren't on chime fee free for you and no cash out fees for them chime no monthly fees no vibe killing fees sign up for a chime checking account it only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score you can get started at chime.com slash kf games that's chime.com slash kf games chime is a financial technology company not a bank banking services provided by a debit card issued by the Bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic out of network atm withdrawal fees apply except at money pass atm in a 7-eleven location and at all owl point or visa plus alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Chime.com slash KF Games. And we're back, everybody. So, uh, yeah, I just thought we'd go scene by scene, kind of talk about things that we enjoy, didn't enjoy, discuss theories and that uh, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we start off the show with Arandir being captured, and so are all of his friends. Um, I've noticed that as I'm reading these characters' names, I just kind of make him sound like they're uh, Latino friends of mine from back home. So, like, Revion and Medor are with him in this orc encampment, and it's bad. We start off kind of like this daisy uh, camera view stuff to show that he'd been knocked out clearly um, from that last ep scene in episode two that we saw um, at Ondir where he gets captured. And now he's in this encampment, and these orcs are kind of underneath the shading because obviously they're, they're very sensitive to the sun. And uh, everybody's captured, a bunch of elves, a bunch of humans. This is where everybody in the Southlands is sort of caught. Yeah. I mean, as a, you know, a pedantic question, why are they digging when they could just erect, like, tents above them? Well, my question was, is the digging this tunnel a greater project? Like, That's is it the question. precursor to their mm. trying to establish something so they have a network that they can travel by and like trench warfare. Yeah. yeah it's maybe, maybe like, uh, um, like in the Mexican cartel drug wars, <laughs> just building <laughs> tunnels to transport cocaine all over the place. It could be something like that. <laughs> what, what would orcs transport? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Like, uh, Who knows? fish heads or something. <laughs> Pipe weed, you know, Rog. Yeah. um, Rog. The uh, the following sequence, Galadriel wakes up on a boat with the handsome guy, and she eats some dinty more beef stew. Eddie Vedder walks up to her and is like, damn, we got an Eldar here. And she asks what boat she's on, and Eddie Vedder says, we're nearly there, home. Guess where we are? A little place called Numenor. Although, how do we really know it's pronounced Numenor? Maybe it's Numeno, but an Australian named it. Numenar. It's, it's a little joke. The other joke option that I had there was like, um, <laughs> or as Australians call it, Numenno. 
And I was like, get it, but it doesn't really make sense. Um, Numenor kind of trying to give us those little callbacks to those big grand entrances we had in Lord of the Rings. Um, I thought the the CG as they drive by the big-ass face that was right next to them, not drive by, but as they sort of sail by the big-ass face, that looked really odd and kind of awkward. But then the grander sweeping shots oh. I thought were phenomenal looking. So impressive. Oh, yeah. yeah. And was, uh, yeah, we're here. New is literally just a star shape, or that like, island is just a star shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is Numenor, everybody. This is where we, you know, obviously heard a lot about um, hearing that Aragorn is a, a Numenorian, and now this is where the humans live th that are more than just normal humans. They definitely live a lot longer. Uh, the people that were actual Numenorians, rather. Um, and we're finally seeing it. We're seeing it on screen, and it's pretty dope. I think they did a great job with art direction. Um, and Galadriel is talking to, uh, what's his face the whole time? Um, Halbrand? Halbrand, yeah. Halbrand. And something like about Numenor, too, is I just love that it's also this mythological place for other humans, too, mm -hmm. in the world, where it's, it's not just that, you know, oh, all humans go here. To them, it also seems like this weird um, Valhalla. And... The other thing, too, that I'm really, really appreciating so far, given that this is a prequel, is that we're seeing these impressive historic places in this world as they once were in their glory and splendor. We're seeing Khazad-dûm, we're seeing Numenor, mm. because my opinion of them is only informed by Lord of the Rings, where they're in, you know, they're non-existent or they're in ruin. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's absolutely. Really, like, I love it. I love seeing this. I yeah, also love CG... that it feels like it has history already. It's not just, oh, this is the place in its prime. It's like, this place has been here for a while. Like the fact yeah. that, you know, all the stuff with the the relationship between the Numenorians and the elves and the way they explain um, the faithful and um, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it, it looks like there's, you know, graffiti or, you know, just like old places within the city, which I really, I really love. It gives it a real sense of like place. It, yeah. it it feels filled out. It feels populated. Yeah, um, I thought, yeah, I thought all the set designers and everybody did a great job there. Which uh, I think they they like looked at classical civilizations, Rome, Greece, to mm. basically shape their perception of Numenor too. Uh, Galadriel mentions to Halbrand how this place used to welcome elves back in the day. They'd share gifts, knowledge. They'd come over for NFL Sunday barbecues. And now their text messages are just left on red. There's no replies. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Um, and we get this nice little back and forth between her and Halbrand where he's like, well, how are things now? And she's like, we're we're probably about to find out because I, I don't feel like I'm very, very welcome here. Um, they're taken to the queen. Um, we get one little note. We get one. Yeah, the Queen Regent. Yeah, we get a little one one shot of Halbrand looking at the blacksmithing table, and he's kind of like, huh. you're like, oh, he's he's going to have something to do with that later on. Uh, they're introduced to the Queen Regent, and she's like, who are you? And Gladio says, check my LinkedIn, bitch. Give us ships so we can go to Middle <laughs> Earth. We gave you this island. And the handsome guy says, uh, think about our offer for a couple days. Just think on it, right? Like, we, we'd like to get out of here. And Galadriel's told she can't just roam free. Halbrand hugs Galad. Uh, uh, Halbrand hugs Elendil rather, and you're like, "Wow, that was a weird hug. That was kind of awkward. What are they? What are they doing there?" And it's because he was stealing Galadriel's dagger back from Naked Elendil. Stuff. Yeah, kind of showing how Halbrand is really good um, with his hands, I guess, and he can steal shit, which 
obviously affects stuff later on in the show. Um, but yeah, what do we think about this sequence here? I, I thought that, um, I enjoyed the hostility from the queen regent. I feel like that was really kind of well acted and well done. And we can feel that, Hey, these elves aren't really welcome here. And, and Galadriel is obviously not super stoked to be here either. Mm. I was like, if I was, if I were Galadriel, I would simply cover my ears. Um, just until you kind of got the lay of the land a little bit. I re- I, I liked the, yeah, because Numenor is kind of seen as this just, like, fantastic city, and obviously the history of it is that it comes from the men and elves who banded together against Morgoth, and it was, like, their, or, like, before, and it was, like, their reward, right? And then they had such a close relationship with the elves, and to see it, like, your first experience of it really is to see the Numenor. I'm still very congested, I'm sorry. It's okay, it's okay. I sound like such a nerd. Like, actually, <laughs> and uh, numerous. <laughs> Let me get my glasses on. Uh, no, so the um, and so to see it like through, I guess, an elf's eyes for the first time and see all the hostility, especially when there are kind of all the rumblings of the fact that like some men in Middle Earth like banded together with Morgoth um and or Melkor, and then you know, it's a kind of underlying theme of Lord of the Rings, right? It's like that men can't be trusted, especially what we know what will happen with so Isildur. easily corruptible, so easily corrupted, and like yeah. you know, and so yeah, men aren't men aren't good. Men aren't so great. Yeah. No. Um, we move on to the next sequence um, where Farazan, um, who I guess is um, he's somebody to kind of keep an eye on. It seems like he's going to be kind of pulling a lot of strings, and he's always trying to push the the objective in certain directions it seems like um Farazon, i'm not sure how to pronounce his name but he tells the queen Farazon. how would how would latino of the rings pronounce it Farazon. which is your, your new spin-off show remember how jonathan van ness used to have gay of thrones i really yes. think you need to make latino of the rings <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Just think about it, Andy. Farazon, uh, you put the the acento at the the final syllable. Uh, He tells the queen, like, we can't let your dad know about this. Like, you know, um, and he tells her that the the man is Elendil, by the way. This guy, his name is Elendil. And his kids, not important at all. His son will live on and have a very boring, uneventful life. Um, and we see them on this ship. We see um, his son on this ship, and we're like, "Oh, what's his son? What what what's his son up to?" You know. Wait, and then, what's um, his sign? What's, what? <laughs> what's this guy? What's his sign? And then so, we hear question about a seal door, because the timeline here is not correct. If he's the seal door that was fighting in the War of the Rings, right? That's that's what I he read. Is. is he is? Oh, okay. Because yeah, I so read like, that the events of Lord of the Rings happen like you know. If you if you're looking at the the last alliance between men and elves, it's like hundreds of years until we get to the Hobbit and all that stuff. Oh, okay. I read this somewhere that like, it was like he wasn't thousands. born until like a thousand years after yeah. the rings were forged. Yeah, that. Oh, that bit might be where they're kind of fudging a little bit. I which gotta, I, don't I mind. gotta assume this is where yeah. Amazon is kind of taking liberties with the timeline. That's right? that's what I gotta assume because I I know the show is like several thousand years or whatever before any of those events take place and we know that Numenorians generally don't grow super old like they they have like a 300 year lifespan or something like that maybe 200 I forget my question was like if this is the Isildur like 
are they going to move up that War of the Ring? Like, would we see it in season five of, the, of this oh, show? Wow. Which I've, would be awesome. I've got to assume that this show ends with, with the, War of the, Ring? the War of the Ring. Like, or, that seems no, like... Or, no, I think, yeah, it must end with The Last Alliance, sorry. Um, right? Because isn't War of the Ring, like, in the, uh, Return? That's like the, that's the War of the Ring. And this, just was, like, this was just the last alliance between men and us. Oh, okay. Just a correction for myself. Numenorians uh, live to be around 350 to 420. Smoke it up. Everybody get your doobies out. <laughs> 420. Um, we move on to the uh, next sequence uh, where, uh, well, while they're on this boat, we all, we get the little whisper of Isildur and we're, the ring is calling to him and it's like, oh, wow, I bet you that's Isildur. That's what I thought in that moment. Um, and we see the ship captain. He looks like Jason Momoa. Uh, he's preaching to them how harsh the sea is and how the sea is always right. He's a big fan of the water. He loves that agua, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an aqua man. A little sea joke right there right. for UDC fans. <laughs> oh, shit. There. I mean, actually, I, I didn't catch that because when I saw Aquaman, it was the day after I flew back to the UK and I fell asleep. And I woke up. I woke up at the octopus drum bit. And I thought I was like hallucinating in heaven. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> and I feel bad because I fell asleep during a Patrick Wilson movie. Ah, oh, now God. you could tell me that the uh, octopus is drumming was a joke, and that wasn't actually in the movie, and I would have believed you because I've seen the movie, but I don't remember any of that. Um, if you use X-ray here on the amazon prime stuff which i think is a great little function we get some general trivia it says numenorians are mariners of the great renown and lord of many ships on their island which is also called elena but they are forbidden from sailing west out of sight of their own shores by the band of the valar to prevent them from seeking the undying lands themselves i saw that last night when i was watching and i i love that texture i love that that would be something that they get gifted this island but then they are placed with that restriction of you cannot cross this boundary you're not you know you're still human yeah they have absolutely. a very complicated relationship with the el- like i mean it's obviously like yeah. within numenor there's the the two factions it's basically like people who like the elves people who hate the elves and so that restriction that they can't sail west uh is a very like you said fun bit of texture because it's like it's, it's just something's got to give you know yeah love it we're then introduced to Isildur's sister, who I believe is created for the show. She is a new character. She's a new character, um, Aarian, and all his, all of Isildur's friends are super horny for her. Um, and she's a little baddie, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, she's got a little bit of the Hermione's about her. Yeah, a little bit. I can see bit. that. I could totally, totally get that. Um, the following sequence is when we sort of get this... Um, almost like an interrogation scene where the queen regent is talking to elendil and he's like oh you got a really interesting name man you know like and it's like uh oh like she she kind of knows what's up and she's like what does your name mean and it ends up that his name means friend of the elves um and because that's what he is and she's like dog don't bring that shit in here you know we don't like don't that, bring that you know? smoke. yeah um she's not a not a big fan um and because of all this, she makes him Galadriel's babysitter. She's like, watch over her. Here's a sword. If she tries anything, you fucking kill her. You know, like I'd rather just get the job done than have to deal with her kind of doing anything here on this island. Um, but remember, Galadriel's super pissed that she feels like she's kind of a prisoner here. Mm. Um, so they try to make her feel 
as welcome as possible. Um, we then cut back to the uh, the orc encampment where Arandir and all his friends are captured. And this is where we start to get little hints that maybe these orcs are are looking for a weapon. That's what they're maybe digging for and digging towards. They're uh, they're in search of something, and they mention that they call their leader Adar, and then Arandir is like, "Why do they refer to their leader as an Elvish word?" Hmm, that's hmm. interesting. Uh, the orcs get pissed, and they're like, "Hey, you're getting real lippy over there. Cut down that tree, you know." And so you can't cut down the tree. And this sequence kind of reminds you of like in TV shows when there's small towns and they're trying to like demolish the local library and everyone's like, no, we can't. That library's yeah, been here in this town save forever. Save the community center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they're t- they'll tell them to cut down the tree and it's like, hell no, we're not cutting down no tree. And um, that's what Revion says, Revion. And he's like, no, we're not cutting down the tree. That shit's been here forever. And then this next sequence, I'm not a fan of it all. Um, I think it's just, kind of uncreative and very weird one very uh, very unclever and i'm not sure what sort of themes they were trying to pass off with it but it's the orcs are like hey you know what i appreciate your bravery you know you 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 got you got some fighting you here's some water and everybody's like oh is this water poisonous i think that's what we're supposed to think as an audience and there's just kind of subverting expectations because the last guy who drinks it really just in my opinion feels like this sequence they wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and then they said oh fuck we don't have an ending for this uh just slice his throat like that's how that was their idea of creating creating tension like creating drama i don't really even care about that dude so i felt nothing in this sequence i just thought it was kind of uncreative to say i thought there was going to be more there i wanted as an audience member to be like oh shit what did they they fucking did this other thing i guess i just been watching in the past year too much you know better call Saul, where every creative plot and plan and scheme is the most creative shit of all time and here i just kind of felt really underwhelmed by it well you know like you know jennifer hutchinson who wrote episode two was a writer on breaking bad ad oh okay um which i wonder i love that episode yeah makes all the sense of the world i agree with you with this one because it was like i felt like when they were doing the water thing Maybe it was trying to invoke feelings of um, the grog bit with Merry and Pippin in Two Towers, where, you know, oh, he's thirsty, he needs help. Yeah. Can't take his medicine! Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, can't take his grog, sorry. Um, yeah. And then the... So with this bit, it's like, I agree with you, I didn't really care about... The only elf I cared about, other than Arondir, was the um, the one who was like, no, I will not cut down this tree, because I feel like he got more... Um, more screen time, you you felt a little bit more into that character, and then the other one who got his throat slit, I was like, "Who are you?" Like, I yeah, yeah, you know? they didn't necessarily establish them for me in a way where I was like, "I have I have no clue who any of you are." Yeah, um, Medor, I think most likely had some sequences cut. That's the way it kind of feels because. Oh wait, was I it think- him? Yeah, it was him, the one who jokes around with them when he's like, oh, you're, you smell like leaf, like you smell like dirty leaf, you know, in episode oh. one. Yeah, he's um, the guy, oh, he's the one, he, he had my favorite line in episode one where he was like, and what's all this? Like a very sassy elf. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so he was in the, he was the one who got killed? He gets his throat slit. I yeah. did not that make the connection him? that that was the yeah. same person. No, I think that, I, I mean, I I'm like 99% certain. I, I think because that, that first reveal that we see them, 
in the camp, you're supposed to think, oh, shit. Not only is it Arondir who got yeah. captured, but yeah, it's these two elves I'm reading that we here, remember. an orc yeah. slashes the throat of Arondir's former partner. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we're supposed to feel that a lot more. But I just we didn't have I enough didn't time it. with Medor in episodes one and two to really kind of feel any sort of connection towards him. And I think in that moment, I think in episodes yeah. one and two, they were trying to make him kind of comic relief. And yeah. here we have Arondir, this very stoic, uh, super serious elf. And I think Medora's supposed to kind of play off of him, similar to um, I'm forgetting the name of the bard, but I feel like it was supposed to be like Henry Cavill and his. Oh, and not Dandelion. Um, what's his name in The Witcher? Um, I know who you mean. I that's what I thought the relationship was going to build towards, and then maybe was. we have a death. Um, but like, but it just I didn't me, feel it. Yeah, I mean, it's not as even like so. I watched, um, for context, I didn't watch on Amazon Prime. I watched at a screener that didn't have subtitles or any of the X-ray stuff. Mm. Um, so I don't recall if when Arondir is in the pit, he's like, oh, Medhor, like, they got you too. He doesn't do that, does he? He just kind of no. shares a knowing look. Yeah, they just kind of talk to him. And we're supposed to know that's yeah. Medhor because we we see Medhor in the... Medhor, we're supposed to sort of think less of him because he's like... In episode one, talking to Aronder and being like, "Hey, these humans are still yeah. what they are." Like you know, they, evil. yeah, they're they still a lot of them don't try to like separate the fact that their ancestors, a lot of them worshipped uh, Melkor or, or Morgoth or whatever. These these humans are still the same. They haven't changed. You got to move on from them, and so that kind of drove that initial wedge in between these characters. And um, I don't know. I just thought I wanted more from this. I was not a huge fan of this sequence. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to hyper focus it anymore because I'm probably I'm sure the comments will be like, all right, move on. Let's quit getting angry at this scene. But I wanted I definitely wanted more gore from the sequence. I didn't like I want the fucking blood like I want to struggle on the ground, you know, like I just it, it, his blood just kind of like, I don't know. Just yeah, didn't that, look like, that bit of blood didn't really. I was like, OK, that's it didn't a look big... like a game ender. <laughs> no, but I mean, later on in the episode. It got gory. Yeah, the stuff with the it did. Yeah. And that's why I'm surprised that this was as kind of low key as it was, because I was expecting a tiny bit more uh, from the sequence. Um, And we move on to the next scene. And this is uh, well, in this sequence. This is where Rondi was like, I'll cut down the tree. So he goes up there and he starts cutting. And yeah, down the tree. It just Um, yeah, it feels a bit defeated. It also feels like a rage moment of him being trapped in this situation and just i'm gonna take out all my rage on this tree for i he went so intensely up to that for a moment i thought he was gonna be able to take it clean off with one swing with that <laughs> axe one hack the fire in his eyes was great and this is a kind of a neat uh shot oh, right here as yeah. we zoom love out. it you you get so many isengard vibes from yep. just kind of the decimation of these orcs as they're clearing out this beautiful countryside and it to me that's that's kind of what I was like. I was that's why I keep thinking like, is this setting a tone for us of like a bigger orc infrastructure industrial pro- project? Because you know, it, just Tolkien himself was like so anti-industrialization. Yeah, that I feel like they probably will want to keep those themes alive in the prequel series too. And in, in this sequence, I also wrote down some notes and. I was just kind of like leading my mind. So like, Andy, remember what happens here? Like kind of reminding myself. And I wrote water scene. And then I wrote um, what may have ended up being a very different sequence. I wrote slut throat. 
but I meant slit throat. <laughs> I meant it was a typo. Let's rewind uh, back to that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slut throat is what I had written. Um, following sequence, we get a um, we get Gladriel escaping. We get a very unfunny line about a dog. Um, not sure oh, what that I was all about. That. Yeah, that? It, it, essentially they're like. Hey, she escaped. You got. You better tell the captain. He's like, no, you do. I did it last time. He's like, well, that was a dog that escaped last time. Like, oh, I, gosh, it just just wasn't out. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elendil is ends up kind of seeing Galadriel out there, and Galadriel's kind of planning her escape. And he's like, don't run. By the way, I speak Elvish. Um, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. That's a little Elvis reference for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go check out our Hall of Lore, is what she tells Galadriel. And Again, another very inelegant sort of way to get characters in another place. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I do kind of like the way that she lights up initially. And it's like, wait, what do you mean? A half a quarter day's ride? Uh, uh, I'm going to get to ride a horse? That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is... It ends up fulfilling something that wasn't even really set up in the first place. Like we, it's not like this whole past couple of episodes we've been hearing Galadriel talk about how she misses riding a horse and she miss like yeah. th- they're kind of giving us this solution for a problem that wasn't even really there. So I I didn't really understand why they drove at that. You know, um, at least you had you had something to, to follow up there. I just, yeah, I didn't pick up on that either. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a, just a character moment for her that we were supposed to inf- infer, like, oh, yeah, the elves are so connected to this. Obviously, like, Gandalf and Shadowfax have such a strong connection. Like, there's a, this relationship between these creatures and Middle-earth. But it didn't, yeah, I don't think it was impactful for any of us yeah. in any kind of way. I would love to know if in the comments if somebody did know that there was some significance we were supposed to take from that yeah. that we're missing. And Gladiel's super stoked to ride a horse. And then we see a super crisp <laughs> slow-mo shot that they use to demo the 8K OLED TVs at Best Buy. Um, that's all that <laughs> sequence reminds me of. Uh, they just, I guess, invited Gavin Freon and his super slow-mo um, cameras. On set for a day. Did not understand the sequence. I think this is just meant to show off budget and visuals and... Um, while gorgeous, while really cool seeing the fabric flowing in the wind, uh, it I agree with you, Luz. I think the I think maybe we just haven't seen Galadriel smile a whole lot. And maybe maybe, maybe it was that, yeah. Maybe that's what was kind of off putting uh with it. I know that we've we saw her smile a bit with Elrond in episodes one and two here and there with just kind of back and forth conversations, but uh, it didn't really look like her. <laughs> I think that's what no. was kind of that's what kind of like threw me off. But yeah, I think just the action of being on a horse and running that fast just made all of this very awkward. Um, especially with it being in slow mo and kind of you never want to see the way you look in slow mo. No. Um, that's what I'm kind <laughs> I've of seen that gathering. TikTok trend of like people <laughs> on a, like a little trampoline in, in slow mo. Yeah, very awkward. Very very awkward. Um, next sequence, we get Halbrand, who he's kind of pleading with the blacksmith and he's like, look, I'm super dope at this. Let me on. And the blacksmith is like, you need a token. You need one of these medallions to kind of be a part of this crew. Um, so Halbrand ends up going to eat. He starts talking shit to some workers, but then he ends up befriending him because he notices the medallion. He notices that they are all blacksmiths and he decides, all right, I'm going to get everybody drunk. I don't know how we paid for this yeah where'd he get the money from 
Did you get maybe like they a gave, little? Maybe they gave him a stipend. Yeah, like you are a guest of ours. Uh, he is twenty five. Yeah, here's here's two f- uh, free food tokens for the day. You know, um, Elise is looking well, bewildering that, at something. He stole that gold guild coin. Yes, he maybe stole the... he maybe he pickpocketed someone we... for the money. Oh, it's it's possible. Maybe he did yeah. steal money from somebody. So maybe the implication is like he. That's a very naughty boy. Did we see him pay for the drinks? He had some coin on the table. He had some coins on the table, and he tells the whole bar, like, hey, shots on me, you know? Um, Fireball shots everywhere, and everybody gets all stoked. (laughs) Jaeger bombs. So he gets the dudes drunk, and he ends up, uh, you see his hand very slyly kind of stealing the medallion uh, from the guy. And this is another sequence that I don't like, because I just do feel like it is, how do we get Halbrand Mm. into the jail? Um, and we, <laughs> these guys end up finding out that they had stolen it from him in a very, again, unclever way. I, I didn't find any of this very, um, yeah, like, creative to watch. Yeah, like, what was his plan there? He, he was gonna steal it and then go back to the blacksmith and no one would be like, no one would pair Put those two together. things together. Yeah. Maybe not. I, I, I'm not sure. I guess the thing that I dislike the most about it is like, stole the token from you and then the workers show up and are like, we know you stole a token from us. It just felt like it felt very... like a weird, yeah. It felt like a weird way to do a "you don't want to see me when I'm angry" reveal sequence of him to show that he's actually this like really skilled, proficient fighter. Which I'm kind of like, well, you're telling us everything about everyone else in this world anyway, so just tell us he's a fighter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but again, yeah, this is just a. It always just feels like kind of a means to an end. Like we need to get him in the jail somehow. We need to show off that he's a fighter. Let's create some kind of um, some tension and some moments where he can show off these skills. But I don't know. I just didn't find it very fulfilling. I thought it was kind of awkward um, that they immediately noticed that he stole from them. And also none of them are drunk. <laughs> like they're just kind of like yeah. I wanted them to kind of stumble in like, hey, we know you stole that thing from hey. us. And, but, but they're just like, hey, man, you thought you'd, you thought you'd get away with it, huh? And like it's like they've been working all day. Like they're totally have all their wits about them. I was hoping to get a couple of them uh, pretty drunk, but he beats all their asses um, and the guards come in and they take him to jail, uh, which, again, just kind of feels like a means to an end. We got to get him in there somehow uh, so that he can have this back and forth with Galadriel later on. Uh, We're later on in the lower tower and Galadriel um, is like, wow, the dagger lines up with the Death Star. This is crazy Um, because the symbol that she's been seeing burned all over the place is not just like a symbol or an icon for a sort of guild or a gang. It's actually um, it's actually the mountains and it's kind of like a map piece, you know. What fools we are. That was so stupid. I was so stupid. I was like, it's the Southlands. Yeah, it is Mordor. It is a Southlands, which um, is kind of hinting towards plans that they that the Sauron and the army have, um, which I I didn't love. I didn't really like a whole lot of this. (laughs) It sounds like this was a contingency that like Morgoth made that now Mm. in his defeat, like Sauron's going to be like, I'm going to find this and take up this mantle and continue executing this plan. What I don't get is like, why would he carve that on the skin of... Galadriel's brother like why take the time to do that you know it almost yeah. feels like a serial killer who wants to get caught yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, and a little bit earlier on in the sequence, we do get some discussions between Galadriel and Elendil, and they talk about how Elrond's half-human, half-elf brother, who uh, I really like the line of, he's an exile in his own kingdom. I thought that was a really neat line. He's been kicked out because he is a friend of the elves and he is half-elf. And he kind of helped build a lot of this whole place, and now he's been kicked out. So he's an exile in his own kingdom. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. And I believe his name was Elros. El first like a king, white sheep wait, in a family of First king sheep. in Numenor. Wait, so is that different, though? Because are they talking about Miriel's dad being the king who got, like, kicked off the throne? Because I thought Elros was, like, before. I think they uh, were talking about two separate people, weren't they? Well, I'm reading here, Elros, uh, the first king of Numenor who was ruled under the name of Tar Miniatur, was a mm. half-elf like his brother Elrond. Yeah. And that's where we get Galadriel being like, well, I didn't really know him that much, but I know his brother. Yeah. And it says, uh, but um, he was a half-elf like his brother Elrond, but when given the choice by the Valar, he chose mortality oh, right. and a human yes. life. Yeah. Um, and but that is king, from but, the X-ray. But then the king who they're talking about, who's like kicked off the throne for being an elf friend is Muriel's dad. Possibly. Who we see at the end of the episode? We'll see. We'll see, Liz. We'll see about that end of the episode. Um, but yeah, they're, they're basically here. This is where they get the sequence of they, they find out that the Southlands are kind of the target. Um, it's, it's like when they find out that a serial killer, like, look at all the places that he's attacked. And oh, we have the map open. We're like, oh, it's, it's tri let's triangulate its position. This is his next spot that he's going. Uh, that's what it kind of reminded me of. So they decide that, like, all right, the Southlands are, are going to be in danger. And this is kind of like the next, this is the spot where they're looking to kind of eventually get to. Um, we're taken back to the Harfoots in a really kind of depressing and sad scene. Yeah. It's all got oh, so dark. Really God. dark. And bums me the hell out. But yeah, we have a back and forth between uh, the father and mother, Marigold and Largo. And Largo still bummed out about his super like broken ass ankle. And uh, Marigold's worried that they're going to get left behind. And Largo's like, we're not going to. I mean, look at our daughter, Nori. Like, she's super creative. She's going to figure something out. And the whole time, she's just like trying to figure out about this mysterious man. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I thought she elsewhere. was. I thought she was plotting the whole time to, like, figure out, all right, we got to find a way to, like, heal my dad or mm -hmm. get us, like, a better moving cart. And it just cuts to her and she's just all, uh, you know, hyper-focused on these constellations with the uh, the stranger. She, yeah, she's... It, I love, I kind of love the... It's not a bait-and-switch exactly, but I love what they did with the Harfoots in this halfling society of, like, we think that this is this so light and fun and just whimsical people but no they actually have kind of dark mores and um rules to their society that like we would never would have expected by what they set up for us knowing them in those first two episodes which is so fun and it makes me think of like you know like the shirley jackson jackson short story the lottery of like that that kind of community tribalism you can get darwinism into, almost into, like. <laughs> yeah like yes darwinism is like the perfect like it, they have these weird uh rules that are like so sadistic and i it, actually i have a new respect for the harf <laughs> 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 now 
Um, when they were, and especially like when they were just talking about people who get left behind and I was like, yeah it, well, and, and the fact that their their whole their whole uh kind of like mission statement is we are nomadic people that we tr- were this is what we're doing and if somebody gets left behind they can't make it that's just how it is but then their whole thing is like but now we should honor them and it's like you could honor them by not leaving them behind <laughs> yeah. me is that like they don't seem to be that big of a tribe so that must yeah. be some inbreeding or something, and especially if you're like leaving that many people behind. Per, yeah, their numbers you know. are going to whittle down, and they'll eventually realize, like, damn, we we got to be a little bit more lenient with our rules yes. here. <laughs> we got to let, we got to like, I don't know, maybe slow the slow the roll, let some I people mean, come along. I think it is really great character building though, because early on, uh, in episode one, when uh, or maybe episode two, Sadok is talking about how the migrant uh patterns of the people with the big um, oh oh yeah the horns yeah. With yeah. the big horns on their back or whatever uh, he's noticing things are off so like they're very very in tune with nature and mm-hmm. things should be here when they are here and some things are kind of off right now um and that kind of is great character building with their whole tribe because we get the idea from a lot of these sequences that they have to be in certain places when they have to be in certain places and they have plans and it's all very schedule based. They're always on Google calendar. And they're working off of like prophecies and premonitions and stuff to determine where they need to be. One thing that I was curious about, and maybe this is just me being a fan, creating fan fiction in my head, but they are doing this big migration to, is it the Grove they call it? Is that what they were calling like the landing place? And I'm, I was just wondering are we going to learn that basically where they migrate to becomes the foundation for Hobbiton? Like that, like they move to this area that then through over the next thousand years is eventually what becomes the place that is Hobbiton, um, you know, through the evolution of halflings. And I don't know that that's the case, but I was like, I wonder if the series could be setting that up. That would be really cool. That's certainly possible. I don't know if Hobbiton, as we know it, or the Shire exists, it, I'm not sure if it does. I don't. I, I feel like it doesn't. We need to yeah. get a slow mo on those fancy map shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I want to see um, that full map, high res. And in this one. sequence, we discover that Sadok has absolutely no sense of hearing. Like, how we have Nori underneath his desk trying to see these constellation maps <laughs> so she can figure out where the stranger is looking and and kind of trying to be led towards and. She's underneath this table behind him trying to grab these map pieces and he just doesn't hear a damn thing. But I think it's kind of a, a little silly cute sequence with her her and her friend Poppy and her friend Poppy being like, no, uh, what, what do you have left and uh, what's right and this and that. And she's kind of just leading her towards yeah. the map piece. Yeah, I like that. It was it was like very, you know, fantastical in a way, but I thought it was very cute. Vaudevillian. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like a little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and it's the terrifying yeah yeah eventually she does steal the map pieces and uh the stranger gets a hold of them you're like man that is really close to the fire big dog and um this is sort of a sequence i i I don't love but i kind of understand where they're going what they're going for It, it reminds me of just mary and pippin doing stuff to then further the story where they fuck something up and then it a mistake or an accident leads towards the next big sort of story beat um and we essentially have the stranger who 
is very in tuned and his magic kind of affects the world around him. So he starts accidentally lighting this map piece on fire and we see other pieces of fire in this encampment sort of start to blaze higher and stronger, uh, which I think is kind of neat. And then he eventually freaks out with the fire and he stumbles and he's covered in a big tarp in one of the tents and everybody thinks he's a monster. And I love, I really, really love the sequence of them all hiding underneath their little green cloaks. Yeah. Uh, similar to how the hobbits kind of use the cloaks that the elves give them to hide away. Um, we see them kind of immediately blend in and try to turn into bushes, which I thought was really, really sweet. And then eventually they get really, really mad at Nori and they're like, you're endangering everybody. You're trying to bring this stranger with us. And they <laughs> that one lady just votes to leave them behind, like now kick their That's asses fine. out. But he's like, no, she's young. You know, she, she's you know, she's going to mess up here and there. So we should let them keep on. But. You all are now in the back of the pack, and that's like a death sentence Such for them. Disgrace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like who? How do they decide who goes to the back of the pack anyway? If it's not, you know. Yeah. Do they draw? Like, straws? Someone need to be punished every time. That's the thing is, we think that this is some innocent, sweet, whimsical little society, but no, they're fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> there are two yeah. things that I really liked about this sequence, and one of them is that like. Um, this is more applicable to the first episode, you know, when the Harfords are, like, hiding from the hunters. But it has a very big, like, Matilda, Miss Honey's classroom element to it. Yeah. Where they're, like, um, you know, just quickly, you know, everything needs to be covered up. We've got to hide this. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I really like about the sequence is that the stranger obviously doesn't speak the the common tongue. But he, he finally remembers, like, he says the word Nori. And I was like, oh, that's great. He's learning, he's learning. And then in the Amazon X-Ray trivia, we see that Sadak Burroughs is the Harfoot's trail finder and leads the caravan. He uses his unique star book passed down through the generations to guide the Harfoots on the right course from one seasonal haven to the next. And so, yeah, they are very schedule-based. They are very, uh, they have to always be on time with everything um, in order to make it to those havens safely. And that's kind of what they're all about. Like, we... We've been alive this long because of how strict we are with our rules. And Nori's like, well, I just want to adventure, you know. And yeah. her her mom, kind of rude and kind of, like, shitty with her and being like, you're not special, Nori. And Nori's like, well, I may not be, but he is. I can feel that he's special. I can feel the stranger has something super special about him. Um, he has literally the- done magic in front of me, okay? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Um, next sequence, we get Elendil with Isildur and the daughter Earian, and they're sitting at the table, and, uh, essentially Isildur is like, I, I've decided to decline joining the ranks of, but this whole sequence kind of lost me. I feel like yeah, the- he, he wants to go on his gap year. He wants to defer his entry <laughs> and he wants to travel and find himself. It's like just, I just want to, I just want a year off mom and dad, you know? I want a year off to go try to pursue my musical career, you know, <laughs> which is what I did <laughs> when I was like 18. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to go to college right first year. Um, and then Elendil gets super pissed off at Adian for trying to defend her brother. And everybody in the crowd is like, oh, you know, he's pissed mm-hmm. off at his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then comes back and she gives him the good news um, that she's been accepted in what did she get accepted in? No, like some guild. Some guild. Some guild is what we'll call it. Um, she's excited about yeah. it though. Oh no! Ooh. Oh, we're losing Elise. Elise is in the void. 
Elisa's in the internet void right now. Well, I'm sure we'll get her back here in a second. <laughs> it's just it's just internet choppiness. Um, the following sequence, though, we get Galadriel visiting Halbrand back in jail. And this is where Galadriel kind of figures out that Halbrand has something really special about him. And he's not just this random dude. Ragtag uh, man. Yeah, he's not just some ragtag like thief who's kind of like this conniving fella. He's got something deeper there. Um, and I think this sequence is kind of neat. She's like, let's go back to Middle Earth. Let's sail. Let's escape this place uh, so we can both reclaim our kingdoms. Um, yeah. Because he is like kind of like Aragorn, like the rightful heir who doesn't want that. He doesn't much like Jon Snow. I don't want it. I don't want to be king. And, uh, and yeah, and I think this sequence is kind of neat, loose. Yeah, I liked it. I, I think as well, it's kind of like the mystery of who Halbrand is, because obviously he is the new character um, trying to figure out like, what he what does he want? What What is his end goal? Why is he doing all this weird stuff? I saw a really good like fan theory um, that Will on our team was talking about. And he was like, what if Sauron, that's Sauron, and he's just trying to live a normal life. And then he ends up getting tempted back into being evil. And I was like, if that was the case, that would be super cool. Like, because, and you can throw so many fan theories at the wall with him right now because he is like a weird character. Like, yeah. that we don't really know much about just yet, but he has this backstory and I'm desperately trying to like unravel it and see where it goes. Yeah. While, while Galadriel was in the Hall of Lore, she notices that that little thing, that, that brand that he carries on him. Um, she found that in the Hall of Lore, and he's like, oh, this? Nah, it's just something I've picked off a dead she man. she had time to do that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very studious. She has kind yeah. of, like, elvish kind of, you know, powers that lead elvish her towards... Speed reading. Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, Maybe she asked Elendil, and he was like, oh, I recognize that. Anyway, like so she's, she's like, your land's Halbrand, your people have no king, and you are him. Mm -hmm. Like, you're... You're the dude who needs to be leading these people. Let's head back. Let's both reclaim our lands. Um, she then tells him that a cage you have landed in because you chafe becomes. I, I lost the quote, Luz. I lost the quote. Chafe. For it was your ancestor who swore a blood oath to Morgoth, and it was mine who started it. Uh, yeah. She's like, come to Middle Earth. Let's go reclaim our lands, which I think is really, really neat. I really like that. Uh, like that. The. I was going to say penultimate sequence, but it's not. We see the queen regent mm. climbing up a tower and mm. she gets on. She gets on. She makes a little zoom call on that. What we assume to be a palantir. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was kind of neat. Showing it yeah. without showing it. Um, showing it without showing it. That's the, 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 the jaws, you know. Absolutely. Show it. it's, it's, it's more effective when it's your own imagination. And all. And she says just a couple lines, and she says, it's here, Father, the moment we've all feared. The elf is here. And it's a, ooh, dun-dun-dun. Like, there's, there's something a lot more fucked up happening here with the Queen Regent. Yeah. And who is her father? And obviously, like, she has access to a Palantir, so that's got to be, uh, be kind of a, a, a neat little sort of way to show that she has a lot more power than you might think. Yeah, and I, and I guess it's like we only really we know of the Palantir as like being a, a force for evil in a way. Mm -hmm. Hang on, what? Hello. 
Oh, you're good. You're good. Hey, there's Luce. There's Luce. <laughs> um, and so it's really interesting to see it like as they would have been used, like the seeing stones to to talk among ac across great distances, right? And so Absolutely. it's really interesting to see it that way. Um, I'm just going to reset Luce's camera like that, and we'll kind of just get her in the shot for when Elise does come Elise back. She says she's trying she's, to reconnect. Yeah, reconnected momentarily, but she thinks it's dipping. It might be dipping. And we might just leave the shot really ugly and messed up like this, but that's all good. Um, and this next scene, very heartbreaking. We, with the, they're getting left behind. They're getting Last of Us left behind right here. Um, they are slowly losing track, and this like cart that making, they're also pulling is all fucked up. And they're making the dad walk on what is clearly a broken ankle. And you could tell that he's probably because of that broken ankle also favoring other parts and relying on other body parts. So then his back is hurting too. He like grabs his back a bit. He's just all fucked up. This dude is just this all beat guy. up. Um, and it looks like they are pretty threatened to just getting left behind. And she's telling Poppy, just go, you're going to get left behind. Like, you know, don't, don't get stuck here with us. And it looks like all is kind of just done. And then the stranger pops up and she's like, what? he's here he's a friend he yeah. says he's he says friend this is what this is destiny kind of we he needs us and we need him we need to help him find these stars or whatever and he's gonna help us pull this cart um yeah. kind of a neat little moment um yeah. and in the it. final and in the final sequence loose we get um this sort of little choreographed moment uh, with mm -hmm. the elves in the orc encampment and uh, they decide to attack, and we see some cool chain choreography. I thought yeah. it was pretty yeah. badass. It was some pretty neats, neat. Some neat slow-mo shots. Um, eventually uh, ending up with the chains being held up in a way that Erandir runs on them and then cuts down the tent to kind of uh, expose all of these orcs to the sunlight, which I thought was a really dope-ass play. Smart I thought that was. Him. I thought that was cool. Especially, like... I think the, um, you know, you've got some of Legolas's gymnastics to kind of compare against, but I thought the ones that Arondia did were really cool. Absolutely, yeah. And and when you have a species like the elves, you can play around with their superpowers in a really neat way. It's like having a, it's like making a video game and having this character have a fight, a fighting kit. Like here, what moves can we sort of play around with? Yeah, what all, rules all can the moves are unlocked with? at level one. Basically. Exactly, exactly. Um and in the sequence, they decide, like, all right, we, we've exposed them all to the sun. Let's try to break these chains. And they try to, they kind of place the chains in a way that I guess really adds a lot of friction, I'm assuming. And it kind of makes mm -hmm. the chains a little bit more vulnerable to being snapped and broken when they're all kind of laying on top of each other. Um, the orcs not having it, though. The orcs start to fight back. Oh, uh, um, Elise is in the Elise waiting room. Back. Elise is back, everybody. Guess he's back. Guess who's back? Back again. Elise is back. Tell a friend. Elise, you here? How's it going? Hello, hello. We may just have her audio only, maybe. Oh, yeah, she that might be a smart call. Yeah. If we can maybe just get audio only from Elise, that would be sick. If she can hear me. Um, but in this final sequence, the orcs aren't having it. Uh, they're pissed off. They're like, release the warg. And it was like, oh, we're going to get our first look at a, at a warg loose. Oh, yeah. And uh, the warg ends up, um, I initially CGI kind of spotty, kind of some. Yeah, shots when look. he's coming out of that tunnel, I was like, hmm. wasn't a huge fan of that. 
But I do love the art direction they took with it. I do love that he's kind of like a hyena, like he's really doofy kind of like looking. The the short snout, yeah, but like the teeth and like ah, oh, yeah. His eyes are great. super like looking all the other way. I, I I appreciate the art direction there, and you could tell they were kind of influenced by the way hyenas look. And we get some kind of violent shots here of the of these. I was surprised. Yeah, at these, just how these much wargs they went just ripping out stomachs. I thought that was pretty neat. <sighs> um. And then uh, we see the elves trying to escape so they can go kind of alert the rest of their elf friends. But they're getting just shot left and right. And then uh, Medhor takes or, or Re- Revion, the, the Mexican version of it, takes an arrow right to the chest as he's trying to escape. Yeah. And uh, R.I.P. Sassy Elf. We hardly knew you. We literally I, hardly knew you. Yeah. And I don't again, another moment where you I just don't. <gasps> oh, hey, here, uh, Elise cool. is here. Hello. I think her, I think she may still be robot which is okay. Say what? Um, thing. <laughs> oh, very robot Elise. Very uh, robot Oh, no. <laughs> Elise, we love you. We'll see you we next week. You. Or we actually won't see you next week because we'll be off next week. Continue without me. <laughs> Bye, Elise. We love you. Bye, Elise. We love you. Very, very sad to lose a friend. We had to leave her behind like the Nori. Oh, you know? I feel, and yeah, we're or no not better. Like the, like the Harfoots, rather. Uh, she's getting left behind. We'll talk about her at our next sort of gathering. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be Elise Willems left behind because of bad internet connection. And uh, in this final sequence, Luce, this is, again, we get um, Revion getting shot by the arrow. I don't feel a whole lot in this sequence, much like I didn't with the other friend. Um... I just don't think that these sequences were really. I I, feel, I did feel some tension, but just not to the level that I wanted to feel. I I still feel like there was more that they could do there to make the audience feel a bit more like, holy shit, the all is lost moment sort of thing happening. Um, yeah, and I guess and, it's like maybe because we don't fully understand what the um the orcs are really doing. We didn't necessarily have the connection to the elves that were there. It was really focused on Arondir, um, which is fine, but like, you know, you need that kind of emotional anchor to make it a little bit more impactful. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, didn't didn't love this, but didn't, you know, super hate it either. Uh, so it ended up kind of just being a, a whatever moment for me. Um, but you want to feel for these elves. And that's that's kind of what I was hoping for. So, um then we see Arondir try to escape, and that's obviously where he sees his friend get killed. He gets pulled back, he gets dropped down, and they're like, all right, call Adar, Adar, or whatever. Um, oh, yeah, because the whole the whole thing is like, who shoots him? Who shoots the friend? Off in the distance, we do see uh, other orcs that you got to assume are kind of they're on, on watch. They're just yeah. like, they're waiting. Yeah, um, which is kind of odd because it's like well are are they just cool with like being out in the sun then and um yeah, it just looks I mean, it looks like they're out there as insurance loose yeah um they're well, out I there guess kinda... maybe some of them have like different levels of comfort with being outside because i don't know we see some orcai and some orcs that are able to be out in the sun so maybe maybe i mean i guess these guys are very very pale and well, as a I, very, very pale person, I do not like going out in the sun either. So I think one thing to kind of remember is that when we think back to episode one or episode two, rather, where they have that first um, 
sort of moment with that orc where it feels like a, a scary movie. Oh, the orc, great. very, very, like, very different looking from these guys. Yeah. And it's because that dude's been in the sun a lot. That's... Mm. That dude is like very, his skin looks charred in a way compared to the way Mm -hmm. these orcs look. And they are very light complected. And you can tell they they haven't seen a whole lot of sun, which I always enjoyed. I always loved how like the goblins in Casa Doom um, are uh, in Lord of the Rings, how they are very uh, um, like they have big eyes so that they can see at night and they can see in the darkness. I enjoy those sort of physiological things about them. Evolution. Um, and uh yeah they're calling in adar and initially i'm like wow this kind of those look like sauron's kind of yeah, like yeah little gauntlet boys little gauntlets yeah um and then who walks up uh, it's me michael morbius and it's a guy with uh very very light skin and black hair and honestly kind of looks like gilgalad um oh yeah that's who i thought it was um <gasps> i thought I thought he had sort of the Gilgalad look to him, um, sort of very yeah. vampirish looking. But we get the—I mean, we kind of like get the assumption that this is some sort of elf who has maybe mm. turned. Um, well, because yeah, Adar is um, according to the internet, which is probably means father. It's an elvish word. Um, one of the in it means father in one of the two elven dialects that Tolkien created, which we know from Tom Bombadil's elven name, Iarwin Ben Adar, which means oldest and fatherless. So that's from Polygon.com. Thank you, Polygon. Thank you, Polygon. Um so yeah, well I guess we'll see whoever this man is later on. Um I'm very interested to find out where this sort of part of the story goes, because this mm. is Obviously, it kind of reminds me of Saruman, who is a wizard that kind of lost his way and got mm-hmm. pulled towards the the dark side. And um, yeah, we're not used to seeing this. I don't. I've, I'm certainly not used to seeing this very much in in a whole lot of of the visual medium, right? Of Lord of the Rings. I, I again, I didn't read the books or anything like that, so um, I am not used to seeing an elf on the evil side and they got to give him black hair of course <laughs> like he, if he's going to be an evil orc or an evil elf rather he's got to have black hair mm-hmm. um yeah and then the episode ends there with with Arandir looking up at at Adar and again very very Michael Morbius looking um one thing i don't love about the elves loose is their lack of of sideburns i hate that they're they're that they don't have any like they don't have the, the, their hair just kind of starts like above their ears on the mm-hmm. elves. It's very, very off putting. Maybe it's like um, an evolutionary thing to really. It's not. It's probably just a hair and makeup thing. It's they just want to show like off when, those ears. They just want to show off those ears. Well, what, when their hair is kind of like pulled back, it starts like way up here. And there's just mm-hmm. like there's a lack of hair here. It's very oh. bothersome to look at. Yeah, very well, odd, like uncanny valley ish. And that's the episode. Epi- uh, that's the end of episode three. Adar. Um, not an episode that I loved. I'm hoping that episode four picks up a bit more mm-hmm. and we get it, We kind of get the story moving. You know, we got a lot of backstory in this episode. It was definitely a bit slower, even for the action that we did see, um, because I do feel like the action that we did see was more. Um, I don't know, just something to have on screen that wasn't people talking because the action we did see was Hal Brandt beating up a bunch of dudes and uh, it just kind of felt uneventful and unnecessary Mm. for me yeah i think it was definitely an episode where people are getting to where they need to be 
getting to be with with who they need to be with. I think next episode, I, I don't know if there is like a next time on Rings of Power, if there is, I haven't seen it, but like you got to assume next time there'll be something with Theo and Bronwyn because that sword is still very much a big right. unanswered question. Um, Arondir and a Adar, like where they are right now. I feel like as well, we'll hopefully get the elves, well, Galadriel and um, Halbrand to kind of dig more into the big div division in between the men of Numenor. Like, I want them to kind of really dig into that, maybe see the faithful or whatever. But, like, it's interesting. People are getting to where they need to be, and I'm just yeah. waiting for, like, you know, the big hits. And I yeah, feel I'm like they're coming. Hoping we get the the rest of the resolution of them leaving Numenor, of mm. Galadriel and Halbrand eventually escaping, most likely with Elendil. I'm assuming. I, I, I that's what I gotta assume. Maybe he's gonna help them break out. Mm. Um, Elf and if not, um, hopefully we get more info on the stranger and see what the hell's happening with him um, and what's up with these constellations. Uh, but this has been Screencast, everybody. Thank you, Lucy and Elise. You're in our thoughts out there. Um, Lucy, where can people find you? Oh, I'm uh, GameSpot and Giant Bomb. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Lucy James Games or Twitch. Or I'm Lucy James Games on everything. Lucy James Games. And Elise Willems is Elise Willems on most platforms as well. We'll see you in two weeks, not next Friday, uh, because I will be at a wedding. Uh, and it's not I mine. I'll be in Vegas. So. It's not. It's not my wedding, and uh, Lucy's not getting married in Vegas either. Um, you don't know that. Oh shit! You're right. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, I shouldn't make any assumptions. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks, everybody, for the episode four and five breakdown, because that's where we'll be uh, in two weeks. Uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye bye.